0: Welcome to Circles Off, episode number sixty-eight. Very obvious, sixty-eight. Yarmir Yager, yes, the legend. Also, when I was growing up, this might outdate me, but Zygmunt Palfi, <laughs> Ziggy Palfi, was a sixty-eight uh, as well. I mean, again, we're probably forgetting about like a million offensive linemen, right? That wore sixty-eight. It's hard when you, it's nothing. No offensive lineman comes to mind.
1: I'm pretty sure, was this guy 68
0: too? Current NHLer Mike Hoffman. Oh yeah. 68. Other than that, my knowledge outside of the NHL and NFL when it comes to numbers is not great. So oh, he
1: was 66.
0: I missed him. You missed him on uh, Yassiel Puig. Puig, yeah.
1: I thought he was 68. We were yeah, so
0: obsessed with Lemieux on that day because it was so easy Yeah. that we missed Yassiel Puig. You'll, you'll I will too, yourself, though, like,
2: wait. when you go to these and you look cross-sport, when you get into the range of basically, I think it's 60 to high 70s, there's basically no NBA players. Like, none that wore any of those numbers.
1: Ever.
0: Ever. E- each league has, like, some sort of rules when it comes to jersey numbers. I don't know if there's anything specific to NBA where they can't. Can you wear six
1: and above as your starting number
0: in NBA? Wasn't it, like,
1: the hands thing? Because then they go, like right so foul 50
0: yeah you can't do like an oh Oh. i don't know
1: (laughs) it it was a thing when i was in like so you couldn't wear six so
0: because the guy would be like foul 55 and you can do the thing but he couldn't do 56 you have to go like five six right right check that out it might be a thing i don't even know if that's true or not i hope it is um
1: it might be it might just be a fallacy
0: completely unrelated and we will get into the q a episode here did you guys watch the uh, Tim Donahue scandal thing on Netflix? I had already known most of the story. But, I did not. But, but I, the I'll appearance of the animals at the bar watching the game... When I talk about the animals, I'm talking about like the, the betting syndicate group that was very popular in the 80s for like, news-based moves that now sell a bunch of picks of stuff that's already steamed. H- hilarious. Why wouldn't like it? They're just in the background of, of these... Philly Godfather in the background is watching Donahue's game on the TV at like a bar. I don't know why I found (laughs) it so funny. I was just laughing every single time that happened.
1: I'm pretty sure that that, the Philly Godfather thing is just like a fake. They're not actually selling. It's not the real guys from the animal crew. He just says that. to.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's not like the original people.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't think that guy. Philly
0: Seal, Philly Penguin. I don't think that
1: guy Tiger sells picks right now. I I don't know. I don't don't think he does. I don't.
0: I, d- I highly doubt it, but... Uh, I know
1: Spanky re- respects him a lot and talks... I don't think he sells picks. I heard him on Spank's Yeah, I,
0: I, I agree with you. I think those are just aliases. I don't know for sure. But anyways, it was an um, interesting documentary. I would re- recommend checking out no matter what. The reason why is like, it's impossible to decipher which of these guys is like really telling an honest story and which guy is lying. So it adds like a little bit of uh, an added... Okay, let me watch it and then we'll break it down on another one. Okay, <clears throat> interesting. It's an interesting doc. Question and answer
1: episode. All right. We asked to put up a tweet Um, for future. If you're listening here, follow us on Twitter at circles off. You can hit the notifications on. All we do is use it as kind of like an RSS feed. So you'll get a notification when a new episode's out. And occasionally we will post about topics that we do want to discuss. So it's a good way to just have a notification on for there. And then if you have a question, fire it. Um, Just reply to the tweet and uh, we'll make sure that we answer them. We typically answer every question that comes through. Um, uh except if it's something that we can't answer in which case we'll usually address it and say ah we won't, won't be answering this one but for the most part you can get anything answered on the air as long as it's able to be there um, and we don't really skip any so enjoy um this is it for this week couple categories here the first question though um you know we want to start with this one Rob this one was for Rob what was going through your mind during that last minute of Monday night football in Seattle
0: wow um that was a. What was going through my mind at that time so it seemed like everything was happening in slow motion for me because i actually couldn't believe what i was witnessing for a lot of that the amount of clock that the seahawks burned getting you know i'm thinking okay they're burning clock here because they're going to quickly run a play if they don't convert this fourth down then they still have three timeouts left the game's not over they might be able to force a stop get the ball back so i thought that's what they were thinking and then they call a timeout. Russell Wilson calls a timeout with one second left on the play clock. So now they've burned all this clock. They don't really have an, any other option but to kick a field goal uh, or go for it. It's not like they, they weren't going to do that anyways. But the, as soon as I saw the field goal kicker come on the field, I was, I like I laughed.
1: Rando McManus. I actually he laughed. He does have
0: a boot, though. Oh, it, the, the, the kick was far enough. For those that don't know, Like it was a 64-yard attempt. It would have been the longest in NFL history. It was far enough. It missed wide. I would say that I don't know the actual answer. The teams would know more than me in terms of the probability of converting that. It's in Seattle, historically a tougher place to kick. Conditions were not the most miserable um, this week, but probably like a 20% hit rate, I would guess. I don't I, know.
1: Honestly, I think it might be higher than that. I think that my first thought was like people were underrating the, the actual chance of making the kick.
0: Possibly. So I saw... Uh, I think it was ESPN's model had 27%. I think Deck Prism was, uh, I think David Al said he had something like 25%. I could be misquoting. I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head, but that's the range that people were giving overall. I mean, there's a few things to consider, right? Obviously, when you do have a longer kick, higher percentage of it getting blocked because t- you're typically kicking the ball a little bit lower. Um, so there's you know a, a lot that goes into it, but ultimately, you know, I I I, I couldn't help but laugh. Like, I'm, I I just saw it happening in real time. I'm like, it's very obvious to me that they should go for it here. Like, extremely obvious that they're going to go for it on fourth and five. Russell Wilson, you know, all, all the people want to look at the final score and say Broncos only scored 16 points. They moved the ball pretty well they over did. the you course of Two fumbles the at the one-yard line. You know, it, it was a lot of things that went against them, including some penalties. So, uh, I was laughing. That was what was going through my head, laughter. I was, like, basically nathaniel hackett is a moron that's what i was thinking new head coach for the broncos what i will say is i am glad that he actually came out after the fact and said we should probably should have gone for it because it's refreshing to see as much as you know that might not yeah, inspire after the result though no but no but like imagine the next day or like even think about people yeah like so many coaches in the league the next day a reporter would ask them and Either they'd flip out on the reporter and be like, oh, you want to coach the team, whatever, this and that. Or they would just stand behind their decision. And he was like, you know what? In hindsight, we made the wrong call. I don't even know if it was results-based. Like, I don't think it was a results-oriented thing. I think he's just like, in hindsight, you know, I would have done something differently. Maybe not inspiring to a Broncos fan, but personally, as like a neutral, I thought that was refreshing. Someone's admitting that, you know what? I made a mistake. But in real time, I... you know, it, it was an epic blunder, in my opinion.
1: Well, I think a lot of people, like, view that Peyton Manning clip where he's like, timeout, 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 whatever. And, and like, that was, obviously, they should have called timeout if they were planning to go for it. But if they weren't planning to go for it and just wanted to kick, then actually not calling timeout was a good play. So uh, that was my only thoughts. So I saw a lot of overreaction on Twitter. Like, why didn't he call timeout right away? Like, well, if he was planning to go for it, then they technically didn't make any mistakes. It was just a decision of whether to go for it or not. I don't think it was as bad as people think. I think like in the NFL, like kicking and punting is a very underrated right now for the teams. I've thought of this for like, I've been thinking like this for the past, like three seasons now, extreme underrated. So like having Justin Tucker and his contract, which is like extremely low, like I would, I would make kickers way higher paid. Like I'd try to get the best kicker in the league. You see, Guys just get cut left, right, and center. I think Rodrigo Blankenship got
0: mm. cut today. Poor guy. He kind of reminds me of me, so I feel sorry. For he looks me. like you. He looks a little bit like me. Just because he wears glasses. <laughs> that's that's the only resemblance. But it, as a kicker that wears glasses, I feel, for, I feel for the guy. But you're right. I mean, uh, I do think that special teams is kind of a, a little bit underrated in this day and age. Um, ultimately, the ESPN model, which I don't think very highly of, actually had the field goal as the correct decision quotations yeah, most, model, like most models had a five to ten percent um wrong decision there so it's not like it's you know there have been more egregious decisions in the history of the i NFL. would
1: estimate based on like just rough math in my head that that was the wrong decision um when you map it out but i don't think it was that i don't i think it was pretty close and in terms of like what I'm saying here on the kicker being valuable is like you got to have a kicker that can hit from 65 just to actually put yourself in these situations where fourth and five. Yeah. But what if it was like fourth and 11? Like you need a kicker who can hit that distance. hundred percent. And like 25% is not high enough in terms of being able to hit that. I'm not saying that McManus would have been higher than that. I'm saying get a kicker that can hit that kick 50% of the time, which there is a few in the league that can. And then you're good. Like Matt, Matt Gay hit one of the ones at the end of the at the end of the half, like absolutely bombed it. Like he has the, the leg to hit from like 65. McPherson has the leg to hit. Tucker has the leg. Maybe 10 kickers have the leg to do it. But yet they're not getting paid enough. Like let me look, look up Justin well, Tucker's. Look at, look at
0: the the Browns game winner, right? 58 yarder, kicker from LSU, rookie kicker who they drafted, plays a nice draw. Into the like that's a kick that that kick was good from seven I don't know what the yeah. actual distance was but Justin
1: like, Tucker this offseason signed a four year twenty four million dollar contract extension so four years twenty four million um which is actually just insane given how good he is and how much how consistent he's been as well as has the ability to hit the long kick and he only signed for twenty four million over four years it's like absolutely insane that that was how low and he's the highest paid kicker but. That position's valuable. Same deal with the punter. Like, someone that can swing field that that consistently and not shank punts. Like, how many times... I don't know if you watched the Jets game, but oh. the Jets punter was just absolutely brutal. Even on the punts where, like, he shanked a couple, which obviously cost him. But on top of that, even when they had a shot to, like, put him deep, he was, like... You'd pin him to, like, the 12-yard line. And it was, like, that's got to be at, like, the, the 5. Yeah. Right? Like, a, a short punt, like, that's got to be at the 5. So, anyways... Um, that was our thoughts, I guess, on the game. We'll get into the next question. Went off the rails on that one.
0: Before we do, this episode is sponsored by the Power Rank Sports Betting Newsletter. Valuable, concise, and entertaining. These are Dr. Ed Fang's three goals with each correspondence, which mostly covers the NFL and college football. Ed is a friend of both of ours. He's a fellow fan of craft beer, uh, which Matt Landis talks about on Props and Hops. And... He's a data scientist who has informed my own personal betting. Check out his newsletter at thepowerrank.com. Join me as a subscriber. I'm also in the Power Rank newsletter every week with a little brief tidbit on something that I like in the NFL. Going to do the old Barry Horowitz, who you guys probably don't know who is. Nice 80s wrestler, pat on the back. 1-0 in the Power Rank newsletter. Should retire. I should call Ed and be like, Ed, I'm done retiring with my 100% against the
1: spread record. You stole that ad read from Props and Hops podcast. I read
0: the Props and Hops one instead of the Circles Off (laughs)
1: one. And didn't know that it had
0: an additional tidbit about,
1: and a fellow fan of craft
0: beer. (laughs) I am, in fairness, in fairness, I am a fan of craft beer, as you would know. And I'm also a fan of the old fashioned, which I cut (laughs) out, which, which happened to you, Pizzola? Don't know. Uh, no, seriously, though. Highly recommend. Big fan of Ed. Uh, did his podcast this week as well. Um, went well. I mean, I, I like I like doing the interviews with him. I like chatting with him. So
1: Nice. G- good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> um, do you think there is a way of handicapping college football NFL first quarter spreads and totals, or are these lines just straight derivatives from the game and the total? So, I'll let you answer that first. Well,
0: I will say personally, I've never really gone down this path. I don't know why. So I do have a lot of accounts, which are partner accounts. So uh, accounts that other people I know will typically bet through. There's tons of derivatives that are bet in these accounts on a weekly basis, whether that's first quarter, first half, uh, where the full game line is also not bet into the account. So someone is finding an edge on this stuff. So just based off of that, I would say, yes, there is an edge to be had. I do think that sportsbooks, for the most part, when they open up a line on these, they're just derivatives of the full game line. There's no one in house that's saying, oh, this team is more likely to outperform this other team in the first half relative to this. Then the market bets into it. Then they can adjust their lines based off of that. But uh, I do think that there's an opportunity there. Like for anyone who's new to sports betting or, or wants to start modeling stuff, I've suggested this on the show before. I probably would never start with full game. I would probably look at either some second half stuff, first quarter, uh, something that's um, maybe a little bit more beatable than the lines that everyone else is looking at. But just based off my experience and seeing people um, profit off this for both NFL and college football, I'd say definitely that there um, uh, there is a way of handicapping these that are different than just like, you know, the the full game derivative line.
1: Well, like there's a lot of stuff that's different, right? First quarter Rob mentioned, I think you were wrenching this on the halftime show, like something like the lions are typically blowing games near the end, whatever, whatever it might be. I think first quarter is definitely different than the first full game. Some teams receive the ball, some teams uh, elect to um, defer. And then that's obviously something that plays into it may not be factored in some lines. Um, So yeah, definitely ways to do it. I wouldn't say that like, if you have, there would be an, a, a way where you would have, like, let's say it's like Bucks versus Lions. You'd have like Bucks first half, Lions full game. Now, it's not common. I wouldn't recommend doing that. For the most part, it's like galaxy brain if you see people doing that on online. But there would be a way in which you would have like under first quarter, over full game, two separate bets that can both be plus v. There's a chance that that could happen for
0: yeah. sure. I remember uh, the, the old baseball, one team first five, the other team full game. Those would always make me laugh. I can't believe that that's possibly an edge on both. I don't know. Like, like just
1: straight money line? I don't know. Like it, is
0: I, a bullpen that bad that like you're, you, you know, I don't know. I used live, to see those back in the just day. Live line. bet at that. Uh, exactly. At that like just wait for the bullpen to come into place and then live bet the game.
1: If that's the scenario. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Yeah. It's not likely, but there, there's a chance at that. Okay. So uh, up next teasers, a refresher and math discussion.
0: Yes. Reason, thank you. We So math related questions. I will say that um, at the Hammer, we do have Plus EV Analytics on board with us. He will be doing a lot of math-based topics, uh, as will Dan Abrams, uh, Dr. Raz WSOP on Twitter. Um, So I'll answer this short and sweet, but you can look forward to a lot of content on these types of topics in the future from both of those guys. Um, In general, what you need to know about teasers in the first place is that books make a killing off of them. Uh, I've consulted for sports books before. I can tell you that the hold on teasers during NFL season for a recreational book is somewhere like 15 to 20%, mostly because people have no idea how to play teasers properly. Uh, I think you want to look into Wong teasers. Um, Stanford Wong wrote a book in the early 2000s that outlined what a Wong teaser is. Some of the math has changed a little bit over time because of the distribution of points in the NFL, but most of it still applies. The problem is it's very difficult to find a place to bet plus EV math teasers nowadays. Uh, Either books have increased the VIG on it. They've changed rules to ties lose. So, you know, I can talk about the math, but essentially what you want to do, especially in the NFL, um, is look for games with lower totals and try to tease through both three and seven. So bringing a, a favorite down from like a seven and a half point favorite to one and a half or the opposite way around where you take a small underdog and you bring them up through three and seven. Three and seven are the most common, um, you know, the, the biggest key numbers in the NFL. So you're now just maximizing the value of your teaser by teasing through two key numbers. Uh, common mistakes I see made are people who tease totals. Totals generally not the the points that you're teasing through are generally not worth as much as sides. People who tease just like random numbers. This happens with my friends all the time, but like they'll take a 13 and a half point underdog and tease them to 19 and a half. It's like, what are you doing? You know, there's, there's not many games that are going to land in that range of 14 to 19. So, um, always try to tease through two key numbers. Always try to find the best price on teasers for the most part there are rare 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 exceptions but don't tease totals um and try not to tease through zero i would say is another important one people just like take a two and a half point favorite tease them to a three and a half point dog you you get a lot of dead numbers in that mix as well yeah so you probably want to do plus two and a half up to um eight
1: and a half or plus one and a half up to seven and a half
0: exactly and, and vice versa and vice versa that's like your mo and and the low and then the reason I say lower the total the better is there's less variance in the game like if you have if you have a, a game of total uh, 40 and a game with a total of 54 and both of the favorites are seven and a half point favorites you're you're better off teasing the 40 down because there's less variance in that game uh, overall it's not a huge difference but it, it does matter man it sucks losing a teaser Teasers. So annoying to lose, like, one leg. Has anyone ever placed a teaser where they don't think it's, like, an, a guarantee? Yeah, win? that's another thing. It's that, like, like, how did I lose this one? When you place a teaser, you feel so good about your bet. Everyone always does. And then afterwards, they're like, ah, oh, like, how did this team lose by 21? Like, this who, is the problem. Who pro- invented the teaser? I, that
1: guy, who's a person, is a genius.
0: I, whoever invented the teaser is a genius, but whoever named the teaser is the genius. <laughs> it is actually... Uh, like it's an ultimate tease anyone who places a teaser bet absolutely loves their bet there's no one just firing off a teaser that's like ah you know i don't really feel good about this no you you place that teaser and you're just like you're already counting the money like you cannot wait for the game to be over when you place that teaser bet and then you realize in the long run ain't such a good
1: bet it's actually so true like whoever named that thing is a genius genius all right. Up next, um, CLV related questions. Couple here. How do you bo- how how do you think social media, aka the Twitter release shows, have impacted closing line value, and its value?
0: Tough one. We might disagree on this. Um, I think that there's some fake closing line value out there now because there are just so many people backing one opinion that it's tough to get off of a number personally. So I think there is having an impact on certain games. I think it's almost as important nowadays to know like why a line moved and who moved it, which, which group released it, so on and so forth. And it is um, almost handicapping the game. Like there's there's a lot of what I would call bad moves in the NFL nowadays where these numbers hang around um, with that said, I mean, if I use week one as just a, a one-week example, there was a lot of plays against releases. So, like, right angle sport. And um, by the way, I'm not talking about uh, specific people here in terms of like their ability to beat the NFL or be winning betters. But you know, right angle sports released a, a Jacksonville play early in the week last week. Got bet down to three two and a half. Market came back on Washington towards the end there. Um, Adam Chernoff does his uh, Simple Handicap Telegram group where he does some releases there was some playback there but ultimately uh, you are seeing that there is an immediate impact from these releases and a lot of times um, I think it 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 doesn't necessarily you know it doesn't necessarily create the uh, I'm trying to articulate this as best as possible but, like, somebody may move a line too far, but it's not far enough for me want to want to play back on it. You know what I'm getting at?
1: I think that's reasonable. I think that's reasonable. So you're saying, like, after you're paying the VIG, even if it moves a half point, you still, like, didn't have that as...
0: Yeah, like, like I'll, I'd i be like, I don't agree with this move, but, like, do I really want the other side here? And I think that that's happening in a few of these cases. I'm not saying in the majority of them, and that's why I, I want to, like... I want to make it very clear that I'm still very much a believer in closing line value. I'm not suggesting that there's no value here or whatever. The dynamics of the market are, are changing a little bit though. And I think it's important to realize that. So in some cases I will take the closing line of a game and I don't necessarily think it's the, you know, it's, it. I'll just be like, I don't know about this one. It was moved by a certain person, certain group, and although there wasn't buyback, that doesn't necessarily mean to me that that was the correct line. Very convoluted. This will evolve more and more over the course of the next couple of years. Still trust your CLV for the most part. If you don't get it on one specific game, you know, you know don't don't sweat it either. Uh, that's not, not huge, but yeah, it's well, like okay, the just, evolution of the space.
1: All right, so I, I agree with Rob for some of it, but also I will say like, anyone in the world can bet that line back. Yes. So, so like anyone in the entire world, there's no, there's no like, hey, you can't bet this line back because you because this guy bet it. Like, they're not. If right ang- first off, right angle sports has like a very proven track record of actually winning on these. Now, whether that's still good or not, obviously every single year is a mystery. You never know what's going to happen in the future. And the past performance um, is not a guarantee for future success. But they have won on these in the past, right? The records accurately documented. Ed is f- for like a trustworthy guy in terms of this. Like he's not deceiving the record. He's releasing at regular numbers that are widely available. Yep. We, track, we, we track it all on bet stamp as well. Like it is legit. I will say that. So what does this mean? It's like if he's releasing something and it moves three points on a college football total, you could say, oh, that's too much of a move. But then like put it back into place, right? Like someone's going to put it back into place. The limits are not that high where it's like, Oh, well, uh, I would have put it back into place, but I don't have 300,000. Like you need two grand, five grand, 10 grand max to put this back a half point And then another 10, another 10. There's groups blasting 20, 50, 100, 100, 100, 100. Like it's going to move back if, you, if it's an edge. So I would say CLV by nature of how it is in efficient market theory, hypothesis, whatever you want to call it, it works. So. There's possible inefficiencies over a short period, but like if uh, Adam Chernoff is moving the lines and people are like, nah, fade them, these are not good, then like fade them and then they'll come back.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I just think it's that- It's only there, a matter of time. I, I think there's there's enough people that are are in tune with who like, who they need to be on in terms of releases nowadays. It's obviously like immediate CLV. Why would someone not bet that, right? Because, you know, you have you have the option of buying back on the other side, if you want to, once the line moves, like you have lots of options. Once you obtain 200 bucks, exactly. On an Arbor, whatever you, you have, there's no, there's no sense in not making that bet. And because there's so many people that are, are going about that. I I think it just kind of skews things and impacts things. Um, I've talked, we have one more question. Sorry to cut you off. It's similar to this. Does
1: anyone find all these release shows as brutal as I do top totes where you legit have four seconds to get the play in, Half the time I miss the number, it gets pulled. I'd rather fish for my own plays or do less popular openers than make it a race or tech battle. Not fun. And someone said, this, exactly. And also, if you get the number consistently at the legal shops, they will limit your account extremely fast. So I just, let's, I should have probably read those at the same time. But anything else? Uh,
0: yeah, listen. Um, okay, let's, the release shows, right? The l- release shows are done by turnoff. Is there anyone else doing release shows right now?
1: Red Angle Sports, Um And like, yeah, I guess.
0: But like Chernoff is running the release shows. Chernoff's, Adam Chernoff's been a guest on Circles Off before. Anyone can check out that episode. Oh,
1: uh, you mean like who's giving the picks or who's running the show? Who's running
0: the show. It would just be him, yeah. Right. Okay, so you got Right Angle Sports, you have Hitman, you have Brad Powers. He Um, did the bat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For for Major League Baseball, right? Um, So this question is like, you know, there's obviously value in the show because of exactly what I just said, right? Like you can make that bet and the market is going to move on every single one of these picks because you have so many people betting it at the same time. Obviously whoever wrote this, they 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 think the shows are bad. Probably because they struggle to get the picks in in real time. This was your buddy Jim Vivian. Was it Jim? Really? Yes. Okay. Um I I don't I don't know how I feel about these yet. Because there's so much that, that goes into it. You have to think about it from the content creator perspective, right? Obviously, the content creator, in this case, Adam, wants to get views. No, don't, do not blame him whatsoever. This is actually a great way to ascertain views. Now, do these people stick around and consume other stuff on the platform? Or do they just F off afterwards because they want to get the pick? I don't know. Probably the latter. But um, I could see the frustration in everybody trying to bet something at once. And I can see the frustration in making what you deem to be a good bet, and then getting limited because everybody's making that bet, and you know you're kind of alerting a sportsbook to it. So I actually don't even know how I really feel about this, about these. Uh, Personally, I think it's important to be in tune with these. In terms of even if you miss it, knowing that that was the play, so you can understand why the market moved. I think that's valuable. But I, you know, in the long run. I don't know if it's, if it's, this is good or bad for the better. I really don't because there is the, you are going to get into the situation now where sports books are just going to start pulling numbers right away. So it's going to be painful overall. Anyone who does bet that number has now already has alerted the sports book that they are in in tune with what's going on here, probably going to get limited. So I, 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 I get the reason to do the content. I get why so many people consume it and, and bet it because they want to have a valuable bet right away. I don't know how I truly feel about it personally. And I'll speak openly here. I don't find it to be compelling content myself. Uh, I've talked to Adam about this personally before. So I'm not saying anything that I haven't said directly to him. There's just not a a whole lot of value other than here's the pick, which I, I don't
1: know. I'm going to do my own release show on the hammer. Yeah, we could do
0: that. UFC?
1: We're going to do it right. Can we call it? Hammer. <laughs> right at that. Cappy Hour? Cappy Hour. We will do... I'm going to do the Hammer release show. Coming soon. We're going to release absolute bangers that will win. And that's the guarantee there. <laughs> stop. Please, <laughs> please stop. That's the guarantee. We will only release
0: winning picks. Yeah, please you Luke. Stop. Please stop. Um, here's what I will say. I, I think the idea is innovative. And I will credit adam for that it's a great idea like at least to try it out it's great i the, the backlash from like the sharp betting twitter community is always like hilarious to me of like ah oh, you know whatever because people just don't like when numbers move you know it's it, it
1: what whatever. if there was a release show so good that there was no buybacks because like you just said if you want to buy back just message directly oh that would
0: be amazing no buybacks no buybacks um yeah, I mean it, it, there's it's obviously what it's a this is a very like wordy question. I guess the real question is does anybody else find all these release shows as brutal as I do? Personally, I'm not a huge fan. That's just me. Doesn't mean that other people are not. Um I think that that based off the viewership, based off the amount of people that are betting in that time people do find it to be compelling.
1: Definitely. They definitely are valuable in some capacity. Like you could just, if you had the right accounts that weren't going to limit, like maybe a couple PPH or something, you could just do that. You just our back, like watch that show, make a quick 200 bucks on your lunch break. Yeah. Not that bad for some people.
0: Yeah. His point, like he, he, I'd rather fish for my own plays or do less popular openers than make it a race or tech battle. That's not fun. I would agree with that. I think a lot of people would, but there's also the people that, that, you know, are not like Jim. And don't want to hunt out and seek out edges on their own. They're just looking to be spoon fed. That's the reality of the situation. How many DMs do I get on a weekly basis of where can I buy your picks package? Do you sell picks? Can you send me your picks or whatever? I'll pay you. The- it's like people want to be spoon fed at the end of the day. Just give me the pick. Just give me, me the work. pick. So it's it's an innovative idea. Um, I, I, I struggle because there's like no, there's no real value in in consuming the content after the fact, which I think is also important with content. Um, where somebody can go back after the fact and gain something of value out of it. Um, but there's there's obviously a huge market for it. So, I mean, that, that, that's really why this stuff gets done. If there's a market for it, it will continue. If there's no market for it, it will not continue.
1: Hey, guys, what is your opinion on buying back, say, midweek on heavy college football or NFL steam? For example, if not injury-related and a group steams aside from minus 2.5 to minus 5.5 or 6, Can lines really be that off from the openers? And is there value in buying back at a certain point more often than not?
0: There's no like real... um, Never buy back unless you
1: feel that there's an edge on the other side as well. That's the only thing to say. So he's saying, is there an edge on the other side? Yeah. I would say no. The limits open. So the limits are small for the first, for the minus two and a half. Then they get raised and then it's settled at six. If it's settled at six, that's the now efficient line. So you can't, You can't just blindly say, can they be that far off from the openers? The number is what the number is. So whatever it moved to, that's a new number. Forget about the opener. It doesn't even matter at all. It's relevant. That's old news. Even if it's, you're saying not news related, I'll just go ahead and say this. It's all news related, right? It's all related on something. So when a line moves, it's never actually moving based on the news on air. It's moving because news came out and then someone bet it. So someone betting that line is In theory, quote unquote, news that's new information that came into the market. So, if it moved from two and a half to six and there was no major injury, then that means there was something else. And people betting it is the same as an injury news, it's the exact same thing, it's the same amount of information. In fact, if a move, if a line moved that much without an injury news, I would even be more inclined to say that that's act that's even more accurate than the one with the injury because the injury is more unknown. Um, and it's a lot more guessing than just a straight line move without it. So I wouldn't buy back just because of that. Now, can you buy back in general? hundred percent. If there's something that, that now like, let's say move from two and a half to six, then there was an injury and you think it's going to move back down to four, then you can buy that back.
0: I think, um, I think a lot of cases here, I don't want to say a lot of cases. I think there are definitely cases where numbers move too far because you do have like the steam chasing element to it. Right? So you'll have somebody, for example, that may say, I like this game up to minus three and a half. I'm going to bet it to three and a half. They quickly bet it in market, and then people start to pile on because they want to be on the same side, and it starts to move out a little bit too far. I don't think that that's like the, the rule by any stretch of the imagination. I do think it happens, but I will say when I first started betting professionally or at least semi-professionally, I was mostly focused on baseball at that time. Um, there used to be a group who I referred to as Panama, I'm sure other groups referred to them as whatever. That was the location of who was running it at the time. And they used to move the baseball market like absurd amount, like 40 to 50 cents. And it got to the point where we would just automatically play opposite to them every single t- every single time because they would play more people would jump on that. Those lines used to steam like an in- insane amount and I think it got to the point where they were probably winning and we were winning, because there was enough of a, a spread in between where they were originally betting. I don't think that that happens much anymore.
1: But once you brought that line back, that now came back into. Rain. Oh, I'd
0: ne- we would never be able to bring it back ever, because they would just bet more on it.
1: Sure, but then, it, okay, fair enough. So if they were if they were betting more on the line with you, yeah, and they were losing at that po- point in the day, correct, or you were losing at that point in the day. Yeah, or I both, I, I, the, I, don't
0: even I honestly don't even know, like if it was still an edge for them at that point, more so of like a, you know, an FU type of thing.
1: Eventually, they're going to lose or win money on that. And either you're going to stop bringing it back as you're realizing you're losing or they're going to stop hammering uh, the reverse. They're going to stop hammering the resistance. Right. So so, but in the short term, this is all possible. But in the long term, the, the hypothesis works in a sense that it will just close efficiently. Sure.
0: I'm, I'm just saying like there, there's always going to be some sort of exception. Like from what I can tell from college football now, I, I personally believe it'd be an interesting hypothesis. But I think that if you were to play against all of the big steam moves over the course of the week, you would make money. By just blindly doing that, for sure. But everybody it, wants if, to be on the same side. Everyone did
1: that for this year. Yeah, and next year that wouldn't be a thing anymore. Agreed. So eventually, market will like, catch up. Yes. Like, there's always exceptions in the short term and on a game by game basis or whatever. But if you had faded right angle sports, which people said this last year, I'm gonna fade every RAS move, You, 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 you got you got smoked. smoked. Yeah, it absolutely smoked last yeah. year. Now, will that happen this year? Maybe, but it also could just be variance. Like, there's no. I wouldn't do anything like that blindly just to say like, I think this is going to be it. That's not really a smart way to
0: bet. Let me, let me be clear. Neither would I, I would not do that kind of stuff blindly. Um, you know, I want to be explicitly clear about that. This is just purely a hypothesis on my end based off of how much I see the, the college football games, especially move now over the course of a week. Um, but I I do think that there's just, like, these one-off scenarios. Like, for example, I think for years that the MLB closing line was not really truly indicative of the probability of a game because everybody that would oppose that move would do it, like, right at post. Like, literally 15 minutes, 15 seconds before the game would go off. Would not be reflected in the line because there was no sense in... uh, Like, I would always get negative closing line value if I didn't do it that way, essentially. Which, and then I would you know i'd say like well i got to re-explore everything i do because i got negative closing line value but it was just in reality because there's one market maker who controls the entire market now that doesn't happen in sports anymore so let me make that explicitly clear it doesn't really happen in any market there's some that are bigger than others but yeah these these games like there's 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 just these series like especially when you think about how content is taking over the space right like now you actually have sharp bettors like people who win giving out place publicly and the the inherent desire for most people is just to be on that same side like there's so many people that just want to be on that same side irrespective of what the yeah, number is yeah
1: when you gave out dalton schultz overs and then people went to that to go bet those come on remember yeah, this
0: yeah they that won did dalton schultz go over i'm pretty sure he did
1: yeah he actually might have late late game
0: i'm almost certain that he won yes on prime time this week pre-game edition I, I, I bet that into account that I didn't even check the, uh, the yeah, Dalton Schultz had seven, car- seven catches. Seven for 62. Pizzola is the Over sharpest. four and a half. No sweat winner. No sweat. Dalton Schultz. Cash it. Bang the bookies. Listen, Man this is going to be the library. second time that I pat myself on the back this week, but the <laughs> primetime picks, except for Seattle's second half money line, which I like I, I took a good price. That had a shot. What did you take? Uh, I took plus two eighty Seattle second half money line.
1: Fair enough. Was, yeah,
0: it was a good price. So but aside from that, there was some you know that was it was a quite a winning week on the primetime shows. I will be sure to never mention the ones where I go zero and four, as I am now in the content creation space and that's like uh, you know i have to do that standard practice standard yeah. practice i actually will when i go in four mm-hmm. i will mention it
1: what's the difference between regression to the mean and the gambler's fallacy seems like they are the same thing mm-hmm. so i'll take this one um there i'll just explain what both of them are so regression to the mean is a simple concept basically says hey if you um roll five dice rolls and three of them landed on number five uh, eventually, if you roll a million dice rolls, it's not going to half of them are not going to over half of them are not going to land on five. It's going to be closer to the mean, which is going to be the you know the one in six chance there. So overall, regression to the mean, very simple. What it's saying is, if you roll one die, you're going to have a wide range of outcomes. If you roll a million dies, it will a million dice, it will likely end up being right beside the the average of what it should be. So it does not mean that. If you roll seven fives in a row, the next one is going to not be a five. It just means that the likelihood is the same as it always was. So that's regression to the mean. And the gambler's fallacy is more along the lines of that, which is the gambler's fallacy is like, hey, I just rolled like it's like 17 reds in a row. Like it's due for a black. Right. That is just incorrect. Like it's seven 17 reds in a row. The chances of the black are still 50 50 less the green space. So it doesn't really, they're not actually the same thing. Um, gambler's fallacy is actually something that, I guess they're probably opposites actually. Yeah.
0: They're, 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 it's like a, a I think so the question, this person's confused is because it's a very similar concept, but yeah, they're they are sort of opposites. Sort of opposites. Yeah.
1: Gambler's fallacy is you thinking that it's going to be something else, which is incorrect odds and regression to the mean is just, is actually like an, a true thing.
0: Yeah. Gambler's fallacy, like for, the, fallacy. for those who, pl- who go to casinos, you see tons of gambler's fallacy, right? Like 10 blacks just came up on roulette you know, Why do you a think row? they
1: put the, his, the historical numbers e- up there? Exactly. And they have zero value.
0: Exactly. times you bets. Literally, literally nothing. I'm the guy who like goes to look, I'm the opposite, right? I think that if it came up on the table it's more likely to come up again because something's wrong with the table, it's, right? Listen, technically <laughs> that could be true. It's not- There it could not, be something wrong with the table.
1: Yeah, we're all we're, we're all humans running that thing. It's not like it's, you know, they, it could be just a floor, shift in the floor, tectonic plates, and then now it's shifting more to Any, one side. Anyone
0: <laughs> who knows how I play roulette, by the way, I know the expected value on roulette. I completely get it. I'm born December 12th, twelve twelve. For my whole life, I've been betting 12s. I'm going to find the roulette table in the casino that's- that has a 12 on the board recently plain and simple because in my mind I believe that there's a, like, a high likelihood that you know not high likelihood but it's more likely than not I'm going to hit a 12 there than on this is all like if you're betting roulette by the way shop the tables I'm serious no I'm serious I'm very serious on this
1: shop the tables there's they, you know what they're doing in Vegas now an absolute slap across the face three green spaces yeah. you're going to be kidding not me. at Circa Circa,
0: not at sir i will say circa very fair love that casino three to two blackjack beautiful um i will say i also played roulette with um was it was Chernoff maybe eric eager i don't know I, maybe I, the night is very blurry because the amount of drinks i was served that's how long i was playing roulette for but the my my dealer at the table at roulette she's like i spin double numbers all the time I'm like what do you mean you spin numbers all, double numbers all the time she's like if I spin a number, just like bet, bet that number again on the next thing, I'm like, turn into my betting partner. I'm like, this girl's crazy. Like, she's in the literally the first two spins are like 26, 26. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, this, <laughs> but I, I was in denial. I'm like, no, this can't be real. And then he tipped her a grand. <laughs> no, I, I didn't bet it. I didn't bet it. Because I, I, I'm, I'm continuing with my strategy of loading up on 12, like, absolute bomb on 12. And then, like, a few numbers around the 12. Because I want to be able to stare at that wheel, right? And lock in on the 12, on that wheel. And I want to know that if it, if the ball hits in that region, I'm going to win something. I don't want to be cheering for random numbers all over the board. You know what I'm saying? How, how can you live like that? Just watching the wheel, watching it all bounce around. You have no idea. I, I don't know how don't, you live. I don't play much roulette, But you got, you got to lock in on an area. By the way, this is not... This is not advice anyone should be taking. Well, okay. I mean, like you play however you want. But I well, again, I, I know what I'm getting into when I'm playing casino games. Make it very clear. Gamble responsibly or whatever. I like to lock in on a thing. This girl. What's the max you'll lose at the Chino? I would rather not say that.
1: I would rather not say that. <laughs> not say that. Um, I, the only time I play roulette is I'll walk by a table. It's on the way out or on the way in. Grab a hundo. Just a hundo. And toss it on one number. But I do shop the tables. The three green is actually a travesty. It's a slap in the face. You're doing that at the the ARIA. Three green, there's a zero, a a double zero, and an ARIA space. Yeah. You got to be kidding me. Three. that's that's, a joke. And then there's like a table. It depends how much you're betting. So I think all the $10 tables are like that. And then if you go to like a $50 table, it's a two green. If you can find a one green space and I'm walking in or out of the hotel, you best believe I'm tossing a hundo. And you know what, Rob? I didn't know this about you. You know what number I always put on as well?
0: 12. No. Yep. For so, a different reason. So I will say this, and we're, we're going off tangent here, but my, um, you know, the, the guy who's the best man at my wedding, Steve, uh, he's born November 11th. So he's an 11-11. I'm a 12-12. This is why we were degenerates growing up because we could not help but go to the casino. The 11-12 split we just load up on that spot and like root with each other on that spot and you know it is what it is lost a lot of money had a lot of fun in doing so know what i'm getting into again bet responsibly but there's something about just watching that ball bounce around like you you've seen it before in the office right oh, like yeah, betting yeah, roulette yeah. against me you're yeah. giving you terrible odds but no. Better you're than me, you're getting in the casino.
1: Yeah, you're giving me your favor, favorable odds compared to a casino. Still in my favor, though. Yeah, but I'd be happy to bet with friends and then know that that's coming back when Rob does a spin and I get the same odds on the way back. Like, as long as that's the thing, we're basically betting at even odds.
0: For those that don't know, we have a roulette wheel that's about the size of one of these laptops in the office upstairs. And every now and then, Johnny gets the itch to... He'll come up to me and be like, I want to do five. Down spins. like $600 <laughs> <laughs> on like $10 spin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've chased a couple. I've chased a couple. Yeah. but I chased a couple and then got in the hole, but I'm going to win it back. But though.
0: there is a regression to the mean. Regret- kind of- <laughs> Gambler's foul so I'm going to win it back. I'm due. The due fact. But the no, the
1: 600 fa- is not from that. There's different stuff. So like, yeah. Even like ping pong. Like we gamble on a lot. The of ping
0: stuff. pong match where I played in my jacket was the big one. for
1: like i'm better than rob at ping pong 100%. So I, he always gets odds and then once he was on the way out he played in his jacket
0: winter jacket and, like in a winter jacket. scarf on too yeah like,
1: and he's like i play in the winter jacket but i'm getting like insane odds and
0: then he won that game and that's basically that's his whole winnings pretty much i i think i got three to one for that game no oh, i think it was more than three to one i think i got three to one which is a horrible bet on my i had no like mobility i had no mobility i could not get anything to the side of the table I felt like my jacket was going to rip as I was reaching for stuff. I played, I, that was the game of my life. You sandbagged. That was one of the, that was one of the games of my life. All
1: right. Maybe you've covered this before, but I would like to know what your attitude is towards reverse line movement or maybe so-called reverse line movement. And relatedly, do you take into account what side the money is on and where it's coming from when you wager? No, no,
0: I don't. So here's the thing about reverse line movement for me. I like to make my bets before the line moves, because I like to obtain closing line value. I think that that's a principle that all betters should get in the mindset of. When you are using reverse line movement, so you're saying, "Oh, you know, eighty percent of the public is on this, but the line is moving the other way." You're now betting into the market where the number has already moved. Like your ability to obtain closing line value is significantly diminished because now you're waiting for people. You know, you're basically waiting to piggyback other people's bets. And why this is a problem is say someone has moved a number from two and a half to three in the NFL. If they still found value in the three, they would move it to three and a half. They would continue betting it. They no longer find value in that three. That's why they've stopped betting at that point. And now you are basically picking up the scraps. You're basically getting in at um, a position that they don't want. Just to be on the same side as that person, reverse line movement is the biggest scam perpetrated to mankind in the last decade. I don't know. I don't know where this started. I don't know why people. I don't. I still don't know why people look at at public numbers. When we were building out the hammer, we were consulting one of our SEO guys. He's basically like, guys. We need to have something about public bet percentages. I'm like, no, we're not going to have... He's like, people are searching for public bet percentages like crazy. I'm like, if we ever add public bet percentages to the hammer, we will include something in big bold at the top of the screen that says we find these to be completely useless, but we know that people are looking for them. So here you are. And we'll give the reasons why we find them to be completely useless. No more public bet percentages... No more reverse line movement. It doesn't matter what other people bet. Just do your own thing, period. I mean, I've talked about this ad nauseum. I think that's the best I can explain it. But with reverse line movement, you are betting into a market that has already matured and you're paying a premium essentially to be on the same side as someone else who got a better number. Don't do it.
1: I think that's it. Done. I've answered this one before. I I hate this. I hate this question. No, that's it. It goes against I everything. Actually like the question. It goes against everything math related, though.
0: I like to rant about reverse line movement. The, the it reverse, actually makes me feel very good. But it's such a fallacy, man. Like, it's it's the gambler's fallacy. Man. <laughs> you think you think you, that if, you know if you lose if you win ten plays in a row or lose ten plays in a row on reverse line movement that there will be regression to the mean over time.
1: That's a good question. Depends. Depends. Depends what the bet or percent- is it the it gambler's what fallacy? The public bet Ooh, is.
0: I don't know what the yeah. It, on games where the public bets exactly 72 to 74 percent
1: above 75 percent public bet percentage on points bet, I always bang the other side. Always, always. No, I'm
0: kidding. <laughs> but here's the thing, Galaxy like, Brain, Galaxy Brain. Okay, let's get into no, wait, wait, oh, before oh. I have one more thing to say, <laughs> I never understand the public bet percentage stuff because no matter <laughs> there's again, there's a million sites that are feeding public bet percentages. Have you ever compared these sites to one another? They come up with so, so many, like there's so many widely different numbers. I'll go to one site. I'll see like 54% of people on the giants this week. I'll go to the other site, It's like 32% on the giants. It's like, what sports books, first of all, are they, are, are these coming from? Second of all, you have no insight into what pe- numbers were bet. Like, you know, what sides were bet, but you don't know the numbers. You don't know if somebody's betting giants plus three and a half or plus two and a half or plus six. Like you have I don't understand Please stop seeking out this information. If if one of your friends is like this, please air them, show them this video, make them listen. So maybe there's a chance that they can stop looking at useless stuff on a weekly basis and convincing themselves that it means something. You know, I had my buddies message me. I, I, I took Seattle on Monday Night Football against Denver. Did you tail my pick that I wrote in the chat? I didn't tail your money line pick. I took Seattle first, first half. Um, I had circa millions plus six and a half. Whatever. But I get a message from my friend. Told everybody this was a trap line. Everybody. Oh, did you see
1: my, you got it, I gotta got read, to read your, what read my your message, message was.
0: Read your message. It actually was really funny when I, I
1: read it. I sent a message just into our uh, Hammer team chat. It was just like me mocking the way that it would be on uh, on Twitter. Because everyone everyone kind of types up write-up write-ups like that. I just wrote and I go, How TF are we not smashing Denver tonight? They are going to win by 20. Literally, Geno Smith is starting in Seattle. He's trash, plus Russell Wilson will never lose to his old team. Denver D is going to get eight sacks. We got to smash Denver. And then I followed that up with right into the message space space. But then again, this may be a trap game. Bookmakers trapping us into betting Denver. My official pick, Seattle, plus 280. I wrote I wrote it like that for a joke. I did bet Seattle, but also I wrote that for a joke because that's how like I see people... Typing on Twitter, like Denver's gonna win. It's an easy win, but then again, might be a trap game. I think Seattle's gonna win it, but anyways,
0: jokes. I was uh, I was pretty fired up when that one. Every sharp better has like that one group chat that just really aggravates them and tilts them. I don't think this is me. I think a lot of the sharp betters out there will, you know, they're right now they're like, yes, absolutely. I have that one of my friends who are talking about football. Trap line, got to take Seattle. Who's going to be betting Denver? After the game, these guys are all celebrating. And I'm like, guys, what about that trap line on Thursday Night Football where everyone was taking Buffalo and you all took the Rams? How about that trap line on Sunday where nobody wanted to bet Baltimore? You guys are all betting the Jets because the biggest liability for the sports book is Baltimore. Like, people talk themselves into this stuff being real. And then when it happens, they're like, yeah, like it was... But they never ever focus on all the times where it doesn't happen. The public action doesn't mean shit.
1: Oh, by the way, means
0: nothing. On the public bet percentages, I,
1: I'm I'm not everyone always asks me like, oh, so you think that data wouldn't be valuable to know what the sports books back end? Of course it's valuable. Like you you plug in a Chris or a pinnacle back end, you're 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 laughing, you're gonna be able to print money off that. But what I'm saying is they don't give that out. They don't give out what lines were bet on at the time. Like, so they'll be like seventy eight percent of the public is on this, but they never will attach a line or an average price to it or what, it, when, where, where it was bet, what time was bet. Except, I did notice occasionally if you check Twitter, Dave Mason. We're not supposed to reference the book, but you could, you know, if you know, you know, Google Dave Mason on Twitter. Dave Mason. He tweeted out, and he's been tweeting out a few times. Some you'll normally do with like either NFL or UFC. It'll tweet out like this percentage of the money on this person average price this yep. and he he puts the price. So he'll be like then it, then it's actually it's still not like valuable valuable but it's like oh at least I know that the he's he I know what the books position is. so I know that his traders managed himself into a position of Nate Diaz. he needs Nate Diaz at an average price of this. So if 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 he needs Nate Diaz at an average price of call it whatever I'll just make this up plus 680. Then, or he, for example, the, when it was Hamzat versus Nate Diaz, obviously the fight fell through, but I, I believe he was massive position on Hamzat and his average price would have been something like maybe like six, minus 680. So you know now that at least bet on, or that, that book is search is, is like, hey, this is our position. We're taking a massive position at, at Hamzat at, at minus 680. If you can then go out and bet Hamzat at minus 680, at least you know, again, it's not a guarantee you're going to win, but at least you know, all right, I'm on the same side as the book. When you get these public and vet percentages, you don't know if you're on the same
0: side of the book. You have zero clue. Agreed. I'm going to say, this is not going to be the last time I talk about this, but it's very clear for me to explain why. So let's use the Rams and Bills. Thursday night football, game one of the season as an example. The public, most of the people are betting the Bills. Fine. Fair enough. That means that the sports book is getting the Rams at plus 110. Because people are betting the bills minus one ten on the spread, whatever the spread is, two and a half, two, whatever, the the sports book is getting plus one ten. Now, if you're looking at the public bet percentages and say, "Oh, the sports book is going to need the Rams to win tonight," you're not getting plus one ten. You're going to go bet the Rams at minus one ten. There's a very big difference between those two. This is why sports books win. Sports books have an edge because they charge a vig. If you're going to be on the same side as the sports book, you're paying a VIG to be on the same side as the sports book. So please understand that. That is the why the fade the public strategy is BS. It's commonly, you know, over time, it's just been perpetuated more and more. But you are paying minus 110 to be on the same side as the book that is getting plus 110. It's not apples to apples. Understand that.
1: Fair enough. Up next we got a couple more questions. What time are we at here, Zach? Uh,
2: one hour. Mm. All we'll, right. We'll go through a few more here.
1: Okay. Let's rip these off quick. Uh, is there a rhyme or reason to when numbers are released by books, NHL in particular? I mean, I don't think so. Just they release them when they, when they can.
0: Yeah. Like there's, there's some days where they'll release them at noon, the day before the game. There's some days where they don't even put on an overnight. So what
1: is the market setting book for NHL? Leave this one to you, Rob. Uh, I mean, Pizzola
0: book pizza, pizza <laughs> book. Honestly, I don't I don't want to say that, but I mean sort of. I mean, it, we we bet out we bet out everywhere, so it doesn't matter. Uh, here. General rule of thumb, the higher the limits, that's probably the market setting book. Yeah, I mean, you you can figure that out for yourself. pizzabet.ag. It ch- it
1: changes. All right. Up next, uh, what is the best way, if any, to utilize an odd screen available if you're not in the U.S. or Canada and don't have access to any of those books on these screens? Okay, so I'll I'll take that one. Good question. Um, Wish I would have known where this guy is actually from. Can you pull it up his Twitter and see if he has it in his bio? Maybe like UK based or something like that. So first off, you could still use it for the sharp books in terms of like getting the line of what the market line should be. And you can still compare your own lines against that. So that's number one way. But the second thing I would say is, is probably even if you have no books on that screen via name of the book, you may have a crossing over odd set that is the provider that does it for one of your books. So it might be named wrong, but um, for example, uh, let's say you have a book that also uses like Camby as their backend odds provider, then you're, you're able to just go onto the Vet Stamp odd screen. And it may be labeled there as Bet Rivers, which is the uh, which also uses Canby as their backend odds provider. But if that's the case, and you have another book that uses Canby, now you can just use those together, right? And you could be like, assume it's the same thing. Obviously, double check it, make sure it lines up. There's no vig added or anything like that. But now you have to look at it at Bet Rivers, and your book's called something else. But that's kind of one one thing I'd say is like, check the odd sets because a lot of them are repeated.
2: Australia. From
1: on hmm. Aussie, okay. So I mean, they have bet three six five. So you have there. points bet. You're there. Uh, points bet odds will be slightly different. Um, you're you're there for bet three six five at least at a minimum. So that's one you could use, and then we will see what else. Um, if you want to message us certain books that you have access to, I can take a look and see um if there's different odd sets, and then at least for bet stamp, we can add that in potentially uh for you over there, mate. <laughs> um, you <laughs> laughing. All right. Uh, Where do you see sportsbooks going when the novelty of uh, deposit and sign-up bonuses wear off?
0: Um, I mean, that's challenging. I I think if I put myself in a sportsbook shoes, I would probably try to come up with some sort of unique bet types. Uh, We've seen kind of same game parlays take over the space in the course of the last one to two years. If I was a sportsbook, uh, novelty of deposit sign-up bonuses is wearing off. I probably come up with some sort of unique feature and just market the shit out of that relative to other sports books and hope that people play with us.
2: Well, I, like it's not going to be as effective for you guys but for the recreational, I know like myself I'm I go and just like use all this stuff is like FanDuel, DraftKings, books very similar to that. They put out things where it's like um cover the spread. Yeah. Bills Thursday night game, max bet $50 -110. And the line, the more people bet it, it continues to move up. By the end of by game time, it's like the Bills plus seventy point five, right. which right. is like that's just an easy way to get people to do it. Where they continue to put those things out.
0: I will say for those um, for different markets, it's it's different as well. Like we're based in Ontario here, there are no there is no advertising of deposit and sign up bonuses. No, it's, unable it's to. They're unable to by law. So. Um, there's not really been that novelty for people that are based here. Now, for some US states, very different. You will watch TV, you'll only get like sign-up sign up bonuses and offers like that. But I think eventually, um, obviously it's very copycat. You see a book, you know, one book come out with same game parlays, then another one does. Points bet now has live same game parlays as well. So you're starting to see some differentiation in terms of features specifically within the books. Um, that's where I see, you know, an opportunity potentially is if a book can build out a really nice feature, a really interesting bet type that can resonate with the public and just market the shit out of that. So, I mean, that's, that's what I would do if I was a sports book. I don't know. That's where we're going to go, but that's what I see eventually happening.
1: Fair enough. Um, I, I'd agree with that from a large perspective. We will see how it shakes out. Um, All right, next up. I have a profitable angle I'm shooting at a certain book. What's the best way to keep it uh, going the longest other than throwing in some big bomb banger parlays and using multiple different accounts?
0: We, We might have differing opinions on this. All right, go ahead. I would say that in some cases, people overrate keeping it going the longest. Like if you have a profitable angle at a certain book, You can do things to try to keep yourself under the radar, but sometimes it's not going to work. I would say just exploit that edge as much as you possibly can. Keep on banging. Just, just bang it. Try to make as much money as you can rather than like really trying to do it in a sophisticated way that, you know, hides, you know, basically covers you from whatever the book might like you got an edge. Bang the edge that that's sort of where i've gotten to at one point in life i was the complete opposite i'd be like oh you know like i can pass post on these horse races like they don't they don't know that daylight savings time happened in in, in great britain already so like i know the outcomes of the horse races gonna fly under the radar here i'm gonna make some like two dollar bets five dollar bets 10 don't want to win too much in hindsight no smash it go for it go for the big win if you have an edge.
1: All right. My comment was going to be, make sure that depending on what the book is, you don't want to get stiff. So you don't want to run up an account too much. Fair enough. uh, The next question is actually, which bookies have the worst reputation for stiffing you? So that's, I I, I will answer the first question first, but just because that's in there and I purposely put them back to back. If it's a PPH account, just reasonably think of the amount of money that you can take off the guy and then don't don't try to go to more than that because otherwise you're going to get stiff and then you, you get zero. So now you're risking your profits. So let's say you're going to make right. five grand. You're risking that five to win an extra 15 plus the bet. It may not be a profitable angle anymore. So that's what I'd say. But in terms of like how to keep it alive longer uh, or, or anything like that, I would say like
0: I mean, don't tell anyone. Yeah, that's the big. that's the biggest one. As soon as you start letting people know as much as I'd love to let, as much as I'd love for people to let me know whenever there's exploits available. As soon as you tell person and you're like, "Hey, Johnny, like, keep it to yourself, eh? Just me and you are going to be the only guys that know about it." Johnny, the scumbag that he is. No, I don't do this though. I actually he, he, do he actually doesn't, but he, you know, he wink, wink. You know, he doesn't I'll tell like you that. how big of a scumbag it's, I am. But I Johnny's do- going to go to Julian and Zach, Mark. Leach, all the guys at his office Zach like, up his unit size. So I don't gonna, know. Zach's gonna a be a like, weapon right now. It's gonna
2: be like guys. I just got a text from a buddy asking what am I, I betting NFL this weekend? So wow. Wow. Yeah.
1: For those on the call, <laughs> for those listening to the pod, Zach, can we say your unit size or no? Sure, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> like what's the matter? But by the way, Zach it be started, started out oh, one dollar better. Bets. One dollar better. This guy started at he's responsible gaming. All right. He is a sharp. He is as sharp as they come for a guy who's only been betting for a couple of months. Obviously, um, producing this podcast hopefully has helped. Asking a bunch of questions around the office. Happily to announce, Zach twenty x his unit size from day one. He's hammering. He's firing twenty dollar bets, and I feel like he's gonna have a good season. and Raise that up even further. We go. We grow sustainably. That's the way to do it. To the guy, Red Panda Sports. I think we do like you. Respect. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the show. Friend of Betstamp. All love called me out a couple podcasts ago saying Johnny said that all you got to do is um, is grind out bonuses and uh, and hit the best lines and you can make money. I would say it would be impossible to do what I said on that episode and not make money off the off the year. It would be nearly impossible. So, yes, I'll double down on that bonuses bet the best line available I have to do zero work. You bet everything on Sunday right for NFL. You will win money in the season. Guaranteed. That is, it would be, it would be very, very, very unlikely to lose money doing that over the course of the year. Zach's proven it; he's grinded it out again, small scale. Does this scale up? Are you going to be able to make 150 grand doing this? No, definitely not. Are you going to be able to make three grand potentially? Are you be able to make 500 bucks? Absolutely. So that was my, uh, my
0: rebuttal there. So uh, yeah,
1: don't tell anyone the edge. I definitely don't do that. Um, No, no, Johnny
0: doesn't actually do that. And for the record, Zach, like his buddies are now messaging him for NFL picks (laughs) and he's going to respond saying like, I have to, I have to consult the public bet percentages and the reverse line movement. And I'll get back to you because we know that those are the most important factors when handicapping the NFL. Of course.
1: Um, Okay. Next,
0: which bookies have the worst reputation? That's that, that's hilarious.
1: Honestly, PPH is going to stiff the most. I, I I
0: mean, I would get into specifics, but I don't want to walk to my car later and get a crowbar in the kneecaps. Like that's not what I'm looking for. But yes, Do you PPH, have any
1: offshore? Is that stiff that you want to note?
0: I mean, you. I think it's important to note if you're betting offshore, that the likelihood of of not getting paid is much higher than a regulated book. Just that's just plenty. so you
1: guys know, the legal books also. Do scummy things and stiff. It's not there's there's zero honor in the game. If you if you if something's a incorrect line or whatever, they're stiffing. They're not they're voiding it. And there's nothing you can do about it. So it doesn't matter if it's a main book or a PPH or whatever. They're all gonna stiff you for certain things. So you just gotta be careful on that. But yes, is someone just gonna is like DraftKings gonna stiff you because you hit a parlay for a hundred grand? No, you prob-
0: have you have recourse if you're betting with a legal book. You can complain to a regulatory board. You can,
1: there, there's but not really for some stuff. Like if they just cite a oh, incorrect line on the line no. bet, there's nothing you could do.
0: Of course not. I mean that's just the that that or like
1: they're true. like hey this this line was incorrect or this thing like they could again you they're going to reference the, their terms of service. But every they literally time. could do whatever they want, even if the line was like hey they had a point different than Mark and they forgot to move and whatever. They literally still say hey yeah I I this was an incorrect line and 100%. you don't really have recourse. Yep. So just an FYI, all books are kind of a little bit shady in some stuff. Sure. But this is like half percent, 0.1% chance here. We're not talking about like the regular I norm. I think
0: with the PPH, it's challenging because you're dealing with an agent, usually. So you have like a, a double chance, right? Where like your agent could be a complete scumbag. He can be, you know, losing money himself and just saying like, hey, the guys aren't paying me, I can't pay you. Like there's just so much, you know, I'd say definitely in order of trustworthiness, legal offshore BPH. I don't know if anyone would really argue that.
1: Fair enough. Um think we got one more here and then rob's got to apologize to a man of the library maybe not maybe yes we well so.
0: i don't want to i don't want um, both him and and zybert launching t- lawsuits. lawsuits at the same time <laughs> okay cool. that would be in, a class action <laughs> like everyone's so, gonna lump in together yeah
1: when you get start when you guys started creating content has it been somewhat of a distraction for your own performance in sports betting or have you found it to be more helpful instead um, I'll start. I don't really create content. I just do this one podcast. So um, that's it. Uh, we record it. It takes like an hour and a half a week and um, it's a lot of fun. It definitely hasn't impacted anything. Um, so not on me, but Rob, go ahead.
0: Okay. I'm I'm not one to uh, to like mince words or lie about anything. Definitely content, creating content takes time, period. That's less time that can be devoted to other things. So now... I have to make a conscious choice of where am I going to spend less time? Is that going to be on entertainment? Yes. So I, I haven't golfed in, since I've been to Vegas, right? So we're talking about a couple of weeks now. That's unheard of for me, but that's been the case. Not golfing. Haven't popped up in the Xbox in a while now. So that's kind of where I'm choosing to spend my time. At the end of the day, I don't think my betting has suffered because I'm still putting the same amount of time into it, but... There may, be, there may come a point where I'm not able to do that. So it's, it's just really a matter of managing resources. Uh, and for me, the more content I do, the less other things I can do because there's just only so much time in the day and you can't do two things at once. With that said, a lot of what I do for betting overlaps into the content space. So it's like double service, right? Like when I'm researching a game or running a model number on a game or whatever, betting a game, I'm in tune with what's going on in the market. That helps me from a content perspective and being able to talk about it. So there's a lot of overlap between the two, which helps. But yeah, as you take on more things, naturally you just have less time to do others. I'd like to think it's not a distraction, but I mean, I got, I got a lot of things going on that are not just betting anymore. So, you know, it is what it is.
1: Fair enough. All right. And then lastly, before we close off this week's episode, we got a couple questions here. When are you going to apologize to the man of the library? Will you have man of the library on as a guest? To settle this beef. Why is Rob Pozzola slandering and harassing people after being shown proof that they were wrong? When is the public apology coming? And then the last one. Why is Rob Pozzola such a scumbag? No, that was just me right Of there. course
0: it was. You didn't <laughs> I'll like tell me. you how big of a scumbag, um, scumbag I am. Um, okay, man of the library. We did this segment on tweets that trigger us last week. It was more so meant to be I was triggered more so because of Chris Felica. Um, I'll 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 talk about. This. We're not going to have man of the library on as a guest to settle this beef. That's let me make that could be pretty fun. No, it could
1: be, but like,
0: he, you know you did a Twitter Spaces kind of coming at me now. I would have given him that opportunity at some point. I actually even considered it, but based on what he's saying, the Spaces I didn't listen to it. But it
1: was, <laughs> this guy came at me hard came, in Spaces. I'm, what I'm, what did he say? Nah, I don't know.
0: Well, here's I'm gonna be explicitly clear about something you can mock me for this or whatever it doesn't i don't like negativity in my life so when somebody comes at me on twitter i'll probably give them one response if it keeps going into something i'm just going to mute that person and if someone else jumps into that thread i'm just going to mute that person i honestly had no idea what was going on this week with man of the library the only reason I did is because so many people DM'd me about like, hey, this guy's going off about you. This guy's doing this. I got a DM from a, a, like a bunch of crazy DMs from some tulips guy or whatever. It was just like going off on me. I responded to him a couple times and then I was like, okay, I'm just, this is gonna be our last ever interaction. I told that guy that. He just like kind of kept venting or whatever. But I mute most of these people. The amount of people I have muted is in the four figures. Not an exaggeration. I do that, just don't want to hear people with negativity who are, who are going to be putting me down or, or so on and so forth. I don't need that in my life. With Man of the Library specifically, I referenced deleted tweets. He did have deleted tweets in the past. Those tweets were deleted from one of his timelines and moved to one of the other timelines. So anyone that doesn't know anything about this person and went and saw that he deleted UFC picks would have no idea that they were moved to another timeline. So for that, sure. I will apologize because those picks did appear in another timeline that was accessible by like 150 people rather than the full list. My whole point still applies for Chris Felica guys essentially promoting someone who thinks that sporting events are fixed and rigged and has in the past made selections based off of fights being fixed to favor someone of a certain race or so on and so forth. None of that changes. I'll stand behind that completely. But sure, I will say the deleted tweets were then posted somewhere else. They do exist somewhere on the internet. That is fine. Ultimately, this feels like a large excuse to me for man of the library not to track on Betstamp, which I think if you, you know, anyone who's reputable out there or wants to build a name for themselves and create a reputation should do that. So I would hope that he comes back to track on Betstamp. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But seemed to me like an easy way to get out of tracking on Stamp just to create this type of beef. I've said my piece. Don't really want to talk about it one more anymore. I can go on with more and more stuff in terms of, but we don't even need to get there.
1: There you go. Rob Pozzola
0: is public apology. There you have it. While, while we're at it. He was wrong. While we're at it. Matt Zalbert. It's been about a year since you requested this apology. I did treat you like garbage (laughs) put that clip that for the board i did come on i did treat you like garbage in hindsight i regret some of the tweets that i made towards you does not change the fact that you do post numbers that don't exist anywhere in the world does not change the fact that honestly like no one was was reading your articles or whatever none of that changes however i could have been more graceful would rather not see your legal team come after me at some point. Don't really want any legal action here. Those ones are completely done. Clip that for the board, please, Zach. That is an all-time clip. My existing beef right now is not with <laughs> Zalbert. It's not really with Man of the Library, even though you know his following thinks that that that's where the beef is. Whatever they can keep spewing out into you know the air drawing attention to my timeline I'm fine with it you just keep going after it forever and ever I picked up so many followers this week from this It's great I'm just like my my net worth is going up thanks to this so you can continue with that his
1: network is his net worth
0: uh, sweat investor haven't really thought about him in a long time that beef is like somewhat squashed uh, for for a little bit. My existing beef right now is with Warren Sharp. I gotta <laughs> tell you this guy yesterday okay?
1: Yeah, how many people have threatened legal action on Rob from Twitter? This is insane. Literally, Man of the Library, Zybert, and Warren Sharp have all threatened legal, well, no, I- no, no, legal let, action against let, this let, guy.
0: Let me clarify. Warren Sharp, <laughs> technically, Warren Sharp did not threaten anything. Someone from Warren Sharp's posse called me. Did not, was not a lawyer. Was not anything. They just said to me, in words like, listen, not saying we're we're threatening legal action or anything like that, but if if the picks don't come down, like we're gonna, you so are not
1: saying he's gonna break your legs. Yeah, but we're gonna have to, we're days. gonna have to do
0: something. We're gonna have to take, you know, some some. I'm like, okay, you know, I get it. Whatever. One of my biggest regrets of the last year was taking those picks out of bet Stamp. Like honestly, I just didn't want it to be a thing where like I had to drag you and Julian in, and like it was gonna be my like. Okay, Rob, like why the hell like we have to deal with this now because of you. I regret that. Big time. But this <laughs> Monday Monday morning, this guy releases three plays at 9 27 AM. Okay. Small limits, whatever. I don't really care about that. You can release plays whenever you want to. I just don't put much stock into that. But 9 27 AM. The three plays that came out all had already steamed at 9 12 AM. 15 minutes prior, this guy is such a scumbag that he's front running the plays and then giving out the plays at the numbers that he played that are no longer available to you. Please do not buy this person's picks. Do not take their advice. It, it is so incredibly frustrating to me that there's hundreds of blue check marks promoting this person's guide every year sending traffic to his website that now a bunch of people are going to go to that website they're going to see falsified records and they're going to go and buy a picks package from warren sharp where they're not even going to be able to get real numbers like at least wait until you release the like if you want to if you want to be like wait till you release the play and then bet it yourself or if you're going to bet it yourself fine don't give clients a fake number If you move a line, a total from 49 to 51, it's moved. By the time you send out your email with this is what to bet, 51 is the number. It's not 49 anymore. You can't track against 49 for your client releases. Drives me insane. So Zalbert, you're good. Man of the library, you're good. Sweat investor, you're good. Who else have I had beef with on this show? They're all good right now. Warren Sharp, public enemy number one. Absolute bullshit fuck i i don't get frustrated too often well that's not true i get frustrated all the time i hate that stuff i hate it space needs to be cleaned up do not believe bullshit and honestly never ever give money to a guy if you're getting an email of plays and you're going to bet those plays and you're saying like none of these numbers exist and you actually go back in the line history and say these numbers never existed at any time after then don't like Make it public. Start letting people know that this guy is scamming you because this is a full-fledged scam, plain and simple. My piece is done. We got to get Sharky Waters Nation on the podcast. You know, somebody messaged me this week and they're like, I absolutely hate that you introduced me to this guy on Circles Off because I can't stop watching his videos and I get so (laughs) mad. That's what the one guy said. He's like, I literally try to stop watching his videos, but I can't. And I get so angry watching. <laughs> Good, let's get him on the pod. Sharky Waters Nation is an entertainer.
1: You know, got to get on Sharky Waters Nation. And honestly, I got to I got to get Trent on the pod. Oh yeah, we'll
0: get we'll get Trent. Yeah. Trent, no problem. Sharky Waters Nation to me, like what he's doing. Sorry, like you know, he's posting a lot of Trent. He's posting a lot of stuff that doesn't matter, right? In sports betting, we know that. He's in a different breed where he actually believes everything that he's saying. Yeah, Sharky Waters. Sharky Waters, like he believes in what he's doing. He believes in his process and that what he's doing will actually make other people money. I think that there's actually good intent there. That that we can talk, you know, we can agree to disagree. With Warren Sharp, there is no good intent. He's literally, he is like a lowlife. Scum of the earth, what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's betting his place before he gives them to his clients. He's giving his clients the numbers that he already played, which no longer exist. He knows exactly what he's doing. And that's where I have an issue with it. Sharky waters. Okay. He's probably doing some harm to people. Cause a lot of people take that as gospel. And, but in his heart, he is good. He's well-intended, right? That to me is the difference between create like people like that. But I wouldn't mind getting sharky waters on Trent for sure. You know, we, we got need, a lot. We got a long list of people in in the in the um the the BetSnap Discord. The David Bote guy. We need. We need oh ben. yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy right, is interested. He's interested. This is, is a thing. long episode. It's very, very long. We got to meet after this as well.
1: <laughs> Everyone, do <laughs> we you, you, you think they care that we got to meet after this? Well, I, I care. I'm like <laughs> half of the episode. I had to start doing work because I'm I'm I grind it out. This is the making content is like i said it's an hour and a half a week but um i yeah i can imagine rob is the, definitely on a different content schedule He does a lot of guest appearances and stuff like that uh everyone like and subscribe the hammer hq we are live on the hammer it is honestly the best betting network ever we have so many good shows brad powers joey Kanish college football show We got, what can you watch right now? Forward, progress, opening lines. We've got...
2: um, You'll be listening to this on Thursday. Tonight, there's a primetime pregame and halftime show. Look at this guy. And then you want to go roll into Friday. You're bored at work. You got charge it to the game with Ben Carey and Nick Granred giving out player props for the weekend. And then later Friday night, 6 p.m., debut brand new show still on Hit the Books NCAA Football Hammer YouTube channel. Joey Knish, Tom Casale. Tom Casale will be giving out picks, and Joey Knish has no idea what they are. Live reacting, 6 p.m. Friday, the Hammer.bet, as well as the Hammer NCAA football. <laughs>